Welcome to the Hidden History Happy Hour podcast with Alex Dean and Brian Cunningham. Here we have a drink, have a laugh, and you just might learn something about our favorite stories from history. Please visit our website at hiddenhistoryhappyhour.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you like the show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. Cheers. Wow. Welcome back to the Hidden History Happy Hour, everybody. As you can already tell, this is going to be a super special episode. Alex, my friend, congratulations. You don't congratulations, know Brian. Good to see you. This is, ladies and gentlemen, the show that puts the ass back in assassination. Bloody hell. This is season. Are you ready for it, everybody? This is season two of the Hidden History Happy Hour, which will from now on include the Hidden History Happy Hour whiteboard on occasions when it's appropriate. Also, might include some maps like this one. But today, we got to get this moving. Do you know why? Well, we're formal today. This is as formal as we get over here in the colonies, people, by the way. Alex looks extremely dapper. But Alex yes. is also roasting in the heat. It is the hottest day of the year in London. And by dint of you saying we were going to dress for dinner for the podcast, we have you in a lounge suit and I put on a put on a dinner jacket. Anyway, it is unbelievably boiling in my house. So yeah. um, we will uh, make this a pretty short episode. We're going to get to the story shortly. But I want to explain to folks why this is season two of the Hidden History Happy Hour. I will note... 59 episodes for one season. That's a lot better than you're going to get on any TV show, my friends. That's true. Cheers, Alex. Cheers, Brian. I don't know whether our esteemed author has done this math, but I have. And I will tell you that surveying the OG Lessons from History by Alex Dean, buy it now, get ahead of it for Christmas, buy the box set, more Lessons from History by Alex Dean. Alex, we are almost exactly halfway through your catalog oh. of stories. I did, that's a very, that's well noted. I suppose we didn't, do, there are a couple of the live episodes we didn't do um, a story from my book. Then there's a couple of episodes with guests where we didn't do a story from my book. And of course, on the other hand, uh, there are some episodes we've done two or three. So um, thank you for doing the maths. And before we tell the story, we always talk, so we should talk more about the booze. Yeah. What are you drinking? Well, I am drinking, I got clearance from my fiance now. I guess we're close enough to the wedding, I can do it. To pop a bottle of Schramsberg mm. champagne, which is just tremendous, just tremendous. And I am having Sparkle Horse, um, which you can't call uh, champagne because it's from South Africa, Cat Classic, although it is the same method, um, from Stellenbosch. And it is the champagne we served at our wedding. Ah, well, see, we didn't even plan that, everybody. Yep, didn't know that. I, uh, I am getting married in just about 30 days, everybody. So uh, by the time you see this, I'll be right on the doorstep. You think Alex- of you, brother is not going to be able to attend, uh, but I will be wearing black tie for that event. So I'll post some pictures because I'll prove I actually do know how to wear it. Now, we're gonna get to this story almost immediately in part because Alex is roasting, but I wanna make this solemn pledge, Alex, to you and to our fans. By the end of season two of the Hidden History Happy Hour, my friends, we will have told every single story in the Alex Dean oeuvre. 
That's a big call. Uh, now, do you, so I assume you mean to the end of volume two, because there's a clutch of stories online. Should there be a volume three? Who knows? There's a clutch of stories in uh, or online that are not in either of the books. I will simply answer that by saying that there is no coincidence that a season three might well coincide with even more lessons from history, or what do you call it? Three, three stories. Lessons from history three. <laughs> three. Yes, that is it. All right, look, we're going to talk about something deadly serious today, and I do mean deadly. We are going to talk about assassination, everybody. Hence my little joke at the beginning, maybe it was in a little bit bad taste, but it's a good lead in. I want to say, as someone who has, on behalf of his government, participated in decision-making and rulemaking for targeted killing of, uh, of terrorists, that this is no laughing matter, it's no easy decision, but sometimes it's the right decision. And I think after you hear Alex's story, we'll all agree this was the right decision, although it'll be open for some debate. Alex. Thank you, Brian. So it's the story of Reinhard Heydrich's assassination in Czechoslovakia, uh, as it was then, in 1942. And it was a great symbolic blow against Nazi occupation and supposed invulnerability, which came with truly terrible consequences for the Czechoslovakians, uh, thousands of whom, not hundreds, thousands were killed uh, after um, his assassination, including everyone in the villages of Lidice and Lazaki. And if you are Czech or indeed Slovak, and I'm mangling the pronunciations, I apologize. Um, knowing that something as brutal as that was almost certainly going to happen, um, was it the right thing to do? This is the debate that I want to discuss. This would have been a genuine discussion amongst the allies before the event, as the Czechs uh, assassins didn't just emerge from the underground network in, in the country. They were actively taken to Czechoslovakia from England to carry out the mission the year before by a British plane uh, flown uh, for Britain's special operations executive by the RAF's group captain, Ron Hockey. And I want to talk about um, group captain Hockey now. He did not have an easy time of it on this mission. Visibility was terrible. He was flying in heavy snow, night fighters in the air, ground fire coming up uh, um, from the ground, both threatened the Halifax bomber that he was piloting. But he delivered two brave men, Joseph Gabchik and Jan Kubis, as ordered, and he returned home in his flak-battered plane after a solid and uninterrupted 10 hours in the air. Hockey later unveiled the memorial plaque, which was contributed by his squadron, that is in the church in which Gabchik and Cubis killed themselves, um, along with uh, five other members of the resistance who took their own lives too, after holding off 600 Germans surrounding them for several hours. And, and Hockey also helped uh, the Imperial War Museum in the preparations for the 50th anniversary of the Heydrich, assass Heydrich assassination afterwards. And I mentioned... Uh, these facts about his later life to point out his involvement in this pivotal event the fact that it was widely known for decades afterwards and of course in hindsight given all um, that happened the question was all would always have been asked were the allies right thousands of Czechs were uh, were executed after Heydrich um, was killed would leaving Heydrich alone presumably to hang at Nuremberg like all the rest of his evil kind would that really have been a worse cause course of action 
Would the affront to the Czechoslovakian government in exile, who were so keen to have the operation carried out, have been harmful to the work uh, of those uh, fighting the Germans and to their relationship between the Czechoslovakians and the rest of the Allies? So even the resistance still in the country had cast doubts upon the wisdom of the assassination, after all. My point is, these sorts of musings and reflections and questions and uh, uh, um and ponderings, they must have been posed in different forms to hockey, literally thousands of times for decades during his life and um, after the war. And he would always simply reply, I was just the bus driver. Um, and I, that's why I call the chapter in, in the book, Some Bus, Some Driver. You, you consider the fact that the men um, concerned who did it and died for it were personally known to hockey. He you know, dropped them off before, um, when they went to their deaths. Consider his own central role in facilitating it and the hours in the air buffeted by flak um, to drop those uh, men off to, do, to conduct the assassination. And consider the fact that no doubt privately this um, brave man had thought about this deeply uh, over decades. It's an exception. I was just the bus driver. It's an exceptionally self-effacing and gentle and polite way of pointing out the need to simply do one's duty as part of a larger machine in times of strife. And that's why I like the story so much. Yeah, there's uh, definite echoes of the themes in Oppenheimer, which we talked about recently uh, on the podcast. And uh, I will give a couple of film reviews. I'm not saying this will be a feature of H4 going forward, but occasionally when it's relevant, one of these, Alex, I know you've seen is called Conspiracy with uh, Kenneth Branagh, Stanley Tucci, and most of the British acting class from the early 2000s. Have you not seen this? I'm not sure. Carry on. Keep going. Uh, you, you, everyone should watch this movie. I would not call it a, a whimsical summer romp, but what it is, it's, it's a reenactment of the meeting at Vonsey where the final solution was essentially cajoled into all the key leaders of the German government. And the person who hosted that meeting, played by Kenneth Branagh brilliantly in the film Conspiracy, is the same Richard Heydrich. Now, I raise this for a couple of reasons. The most important reason is, particularly for people of younger generations who maybe haven't studied World War II, your story in isolation doesn't explain the enormity of the evil of this person and his right. pivotal role in the Nazi machine. i got to take this jacket off. Carry yeah, on. <laughs> please do. Please do. I... I, I Celebration's over, everybody. It's just time to chat. Um, you look good in it, though, I have to say. You, you Thanks, could bro. be the next James Bond. You're the right age, whatnot. Um, so anyway, the movie uh, Conspiracy, it's only about an hour and 10 minutes long. It recreates this meeting at Von C, where Heydrich bribes, persuades, threatens, cajoles all the intellectual leadership of the German government into agreeing to the final solution. And right. Stanley Tucci brilliantly portrays Adolf Eichmann, who at the time was his deputy, Heydrich's deputy. And the movie is entirely based on the one surviving written record of that meeting. Heydrich yes, I've seen that. that. There's actually there's a German flick about the meeting and I've seen the German one. But yeah, well, on. you, you should watch it. This is a qu quite a good movie and it's, it's, it's not pleasant, but the acting is amazing. And um, the one kind of not that you can make light of any of it, but the thing that strikes me at the end of the movie is you say, oh my God, this was a horrible person who absolutely deserved a targeted killing. 
Also, he can run a hell of a meeting. <laughs> well, look, I mean, Heydrich was was one of humanity's most evil people. And um, I, I love um, alternate histories. And I, I love the, um, the the show, The Man in the High Castle. And one of the things they got to do with that show was to imagine a world in which Heydrich hadn't been assassinated. And why not? If the Germans are going to win the war, then why not have this as a detail in it? And you get to see Heydrich continuing as this terribly evil, plotting, scheming, wretched uh, human being um, throughout into his later years. Um, but yes, for the avoidance of any doubt, of course, Heydrich was one of um, one of the worst of the Nazis, and that's going some. His death um, struck the Führer, one um, gathers, uh, very profoundly. There's an excellent um, there's an excellent uh, documentary series in the UK uh, on Netflix called Hitler's Evil in a Circle, and um, Guy Walters, a British um, historian, commentates on it and talks about the, the extent to which um, the news of Heydrich's death struck Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. There's also another great movie about the actual hit job, about the process, getting the guys in. And they actually, those two guys fought like a six hour gun battle with the Nazis in the church before they finally killed them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They held, they held off the Nazis for hours, but they held off the Germans for hours before, um, before taking their own lives. I think that movie is called Arthropod, but we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but check out Conspiracy and Arthropod or whatever it's called. Great movies. A great retelling of this story, Alex. As I mentioned, we're embarking on season two. Everyone now knows why. There's going to be a lot of changes. One of the other reasons we did this, by the way, is that um, our last episode, episode 59, uh, in about an hour, became the single biggest viewed episode of our show, except one. And the one that's still ahead of it is like a year old. So we just thought with all these new people tuning in and checking us out, we should start over a little bit. And um, just everyone knows this, but maybe we have a few new viewers. So Alex is the author of these two books. And that's what the show is based on mostly. And, um, you know, we talk about history. We have a few drinks. We have a few laughs. And hopefully you learn something into the learning something point. And I don't want to run on this episode because I know you're hot. What can we learn from your story today about Ukraine? And I should say this podcast has been from the beginning, some yeah. of the most ardent supporters of the Ukrainian resistance. And as of today, in September of 2023, it's looking pretty good. So Slava Ukraini. Slava Ukraini. Absolutely. There, there is something I take for Ukraine actually in this. And it's... Sorry, I never toast and not drink. I think always think it's rude. So I was just making sure I got some champagne when slavering Ukraine. Um, it, it is this that um, there is a the people in Ukraine are fighting for their lives, and they are fighting for their country. And to them go the glory and the credit and the sympathy. It, they are at, they are working at risk of more than their standing, and. Um, you know, occasionally politicians in the West get a bit frustrated. You know, one of our politicians said, you know, he could be a bit more grateful um, of, of, of Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky. And um, another was grumbling about, you know, Ukrainian demands. And these these people are out there on the front line. Uh, um, and they, everyone in Ukraine knows somebody, you know, who's lost somebody. Oh, yeah. they, know, they, yeah. they know someone who's been injured. And... It, their country has been torn apart by an act of brutal um, invasion. I think we could do with a bit more of the spirit of hockey, who, of course, by the way, himself put him. That's that's where the comparison breaks down, because he did put himself 
in jeopardy. Uh, but he realized the the main players in the discussion were Czechoslovakian and were conducting themselves as they did because they felt they had to and, and would always, and hockey, despite all his own acts of bravery and the fact that it couldn't have happened without him, simply said, I was just the bus driver. Well, yeah. so are we two here. We're just the bus drivers. Yeah, but vital. Our countries are vital to the effort yeah. and God help us if we lose our collective will, which so far, knock on wood, doesn't seem to be happening. You know, uh, there's a there's a, a General David Petraeus, I, I follow pretty closely. He's had some issues as CIA director, but he's one of the smartest military folks that we have. And he publishes occasional newsletters about the war. And in one of these, he quoted another general uh, who's also very well regarded as saying that if you do the math, and you think about how far Ukraine has gotten in their counteroffensive versus D-Day, they're weeks ahead of the Allies. So our politicians would be well to remember that. Yeah, that's such an interesting comparison. And of course, it is overwhelmingly a, a land war with trenches. And I, I mean, of course, there, well, the history of World War II throws up many, many mad things. It doesn't throw up a mercenary who suddenly decides he's going to turn on his master marches on uh the capital of the country concerned almost gets there basically then decides for some bizarre reason to accept retirement in a bungalow in belarus or actually bungalow is very sensible given the defenestration that's taken place of so many russians Uh, and then gets in a jet with his name on the roster and whoops would you adam and eve it gets blown out of the sky i mean that is sui generis that is a a story for the ages. But yes, I take the, the D-Day point. That's a really interesting comparison. He gets in the plane on the anniversary of his uprising, which if Hitler, if he knew, I just made a Freudian slip. If he knew Putin at all, he would probably realize that those anniversaries tend to be really dangerous times. One, one final kind of thought on targeted killing. And notice I'm not using the word assassination here. Yeah. And under American law is a very widely held misconception that assassination is illegal. Posse comitatus. One, there's there's no actual U.S. law that says a president can't order the targeted killing of anyone anywhere for any reason. But more importantly, our executive orders signed by every president since Ford on a bipartisan basis define that they do prohibit assassination. But the term assassination is defined as uh, directing lethal force against a person for a political or economic reason. So this is why when we shot down Yamamoto in World War II, even though that predated the orders, this is why the Heydrich killing would have been okay under our law. And this is why we were able to kill Osama bin Laden. We took a shot at Gaddafi in 81 because our lawyers perhaps some on this actual podcast, had determined that these were military commanders carrying out military activities. Hydrix is actually easy because he's wearing a yeah, uniform. He was a Waffen-SS um, uniform wearing um, jackbooted despot. But yes, and, and you, I mean, look, you guys tried to kill Castro time and time again. So, I mean. How oh, they say it. Uh, okay okay <laughs> so yes assassination is nothing new in this world i agree i actually have a um i, I have a, a, a real politic policy that i would offer people like this i would say if you come out in the if you agree to leave tomorrow you can come out with all your ill gotten gains and your family can come with you just pragmatically we're going to let you do it your bank accounts won't be touched if you leave it a week 
It's just you, no family, no bank accounts. You leave it another week, we're going to kill you on site. It's you. You would have been a good consigliere to the uh, Cali cartel. Their uh, their negotiating strategy was the silver or the lead. Plato y plomo. Exactly. Yeah. I assume that is exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Why don't they just? Why don't we just build an island of misfit dictators? And when it's their time to yes, go. Yes. If you if you enjoy this chat, go back and have a look at our episode, the island of misfit dictators, which is all about this uh, theory. Um, I, as I, I've realized, I've been repeating myself, not just not in this episode, but from a past episode, we should wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, but let's wrap it up with this, Alex. First of all, thank you for uh, season one. Uh, I thank see you, no season one. Right? Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please like and subscribe. You're, there is no point in us doing it without your support and without knowing that you enjoy it. And also... Go back and watch our older episodes. They're, they hold up really well, especially go back and start watching from last February and see how right we were on Ukraine. And well, everything. Yeah, that's, I'm really proud of the things we've said about Ukraine, and I think we're right. All Welcome right, to everybody. See you next time. See you soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Hidden History Happy Hour podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have questions, comments, or suggestions for topics, you can find us on Twitter or on our website, hiddenhistoryhappyhour.com. We look forward to joining you next time. Much gratitude to our multi-talented production team of Jeremy Core, Kate Cruz, and Grace Keller, and to our visionary executive producer, Ivan Williams. And thanks also to our art designer, David Wardle, without whom this podcast would be, well, history. Cheers. Cheers.